Hello and welcome to a new episode of Tangents with Colleen and Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce to you for the first time ever on our show, our first guest. This beautiful hunk of a man earns his bread overlooking the quality and efficiency of the systems that produce your favorite brands of cleaning detergents. He has been doing this so well for so long that he has now started his own venture, Polymore, where he is looking into how to automate and make recyclable sorting more efficient, less costly, and more environment-friendly. Please, everyone, welcome Christy Pogan! Whoop, whoop. Hey! Hello, How's Christy. it going, my friend? Hello, hello. Thank you for the intro. It's such a uh, big and uh, audacious intro here. <laughs> <laughs> you all deserve it. How are Thank you, you. Dude? How was your day? So far, it's really good. So far, it's uh, productive. It's sunny outside. I got the energy going, even though it's Saturday. And um, it's really cool. How are you guys doing? We're good. Uh, I'm good. Colleen, we're good. Also good. It's actually a new thing for us to record during the day. Yes. We discussed this before you came in here. And I'm actually really excited to have this talk finally. Because we were supposed to meet a long time ago. And I have Michael bragging about you like a proud girlfriend. Ladies and gentlemen, Christy Pogan is very, very busy man, a very and important guy, very hard to book a schedule and appointment with. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very Actually, much. I, here, I, I, I was really curious about uh, yeah. I was really curious about the podcast and thank you for letting me in. Yeah, really glad. it's an honor to have you. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing lately. What's what's the deal with Polymore? Well, it's it's uh, really interesting, actually. Uh, for a long time, you know, our discussions because we ping ponged a lot of ideas, and uh, yeah. even around around the I don't know the startup environment in Timi or with the other persons like interested in building new stuff. I've um, exchanged a lot of ideas and really have settled to recycling industry as the thing which is becoming more and more important, and. Uh, I know a lot of youngsters as ourselves are really focusing or uh, are being uh, attracted to this new idea. And actually, uh, even the big companies, as far as I've seen their feedback, are actually uh, not only on marketing terms, but in general terms, interested in this idea. Like how to care a bit about the environment, how to cope with the new regulations regarding the, the recycling uh, quota and something like that. And all things are moving in, in this direction. And because I'm a bit technical and have found really cool students and colleagues who are also technical, we have started thinking about ways in, in which to solve the problems. And there are plenty, actually. <laughs> so what are these problems? Well, the first problem is, uh, I think, as we all see around us, if we go on the streets or go, I don't know, on a casual walk, um, plastic thrown everywhere. Because mm. uh, we have uh, one-use disposable plastics, it's really cheap to make them, it's really low in the price of oil, like the raw material from which plastic is made. Um, mostly PET, polyethylene terephthalate, the first type of plastic, like uh, plastic bottles, uh, um, HDPE, LDPE, the, the bags from, from the supermarket store. This is like the most common thing. And we see them all over. And this is like the biggest, biggest problem problem because it affects the environment. Yeah. In mm-hmm. all complex ways that we don't yet understand. <laughs> we yeah. evolved so much yet so little as a species. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you're thinking about it, uh, I really like a, a, a perspective from from some of the partners or recycling uh, recycling companies that we've talked to. And they said, hey, you know, this is not artificial material. This is also natural material because everything is natural in the universe and you needed you needed humans in order to get to this material shape yeah. and this chemical compound called uh, uh, plastics from Bakelite and something like that. So it's really cool feel. I'm actually really curious about it. Right. That sounds pretty cool, man. So... How did this start? Like, what was what was the determining factor for you? Because I know you mentioned you worked in a a sort of a factory, right, where you produce detergents. And what yeah. was what was the what's the correlation between you? Like, what was the thing that determined you to want to do this? 
Like, do you yeah, have um, sort of this this inside drive of being like, I want to I want to make my mark on the world, or I want to change this, or I want to help the environment? Or be honest, it was because of the sea turtles. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I think every one of us has seen videos with sea turtles, and everyone like, oh come on, this is yeah. this shouldn't be happening, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm I'm not really I don't know I I've thought about it. I'm not really a born environmentalist, you know, like, hey, don't throw this away. Hey, don't, I don't know. But I'm thinking longer term, you know, if us as humans right now are really um, comfortable with doing the things we do, is this going to be sustainable? Yeah. Or we should do something different in our technical processes, in our habits or something like that. And I'm really, I'm really positive that we shouldn't go back in time or dispose the materials that we have found to be useful. And I don't know, as uh, as it is, you know, we have the day in the year, I don't know exactly when, um, in which we we shut the lighthouse because it's like the yeah, Earth, Earth Day. Day. It's Earth Day, I think. Yeah, actually, actually, I think this is the, like the biggest bollocks because we shouldn't <laughs> go back to pre-electricity uh, times. We should do something sustainable, guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's a, never turn up. Yeah. In this perspective, not again, not because of sea turtles, but but because you know I'm finding this to be a bit of uh, not helping in the real way. Yeah, that's interesting. So I personally thought about things in that area where it's people have this sort of they want to go back to a simpler time, but I think as a species we want to go further. Um, sort of we evolved in a way where we want to have more comfort and do things easier and faster and more convenient to us. And I think we're allowed and we should have that. But then the solution to the, to the waste that that creates, be it plastic waste or any kind of even including like emotional waste or whatever, right? Like sitting in front of TV and stuff like that all day. Um, I don't think going back is the solution because yeah. that's. Evolving. That's not evolving. It so will think, never be a solution. It's just the fact that's the only thing we have right now that no way could work. Yeah, exactly. But it's just flowing against the stream. Also, by the way, I've, I've checked it. Earth Day is 22nd of April. Oh, okay. Cool. Who cool. wants to shut their lights off? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> unless we encourage you to do that, unless you're listening to the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, then listen to the podcast and don't don't. <laughs> Yeah, do shut the lights off. Listen to our soothing voice in the dark. Why not? Well, I mean, does, does shut the lights off imply just the lights, or does it imply turn off electricity in your in your house? What does it imply? I'm not sure. I always think <laughs> I always thought it was just the lights, but I think if any it's, small it's probably, thing that's not working is helping. It's probably like the the Jewish Sabbath or something. We are not allowed to use any kind of technology. Okay, yeah, maybe, but you can also have your phone which has a battery. I'm not so. Jewish, so don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay, so yeah, how are you planning to 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 solve these issues? Well, um, is not so far, so far we've checked a lot of ways, like a lot of cool things to be done but uh, this has to be like scalable in order to have an impact somehow mm -hmm. and has to be from my perspective it has to be a bit technical because if you go on this topic as we've said from i don't know behavioral terms or something yeah. people won't really change because we have that comfort we want the lifestyle you exactly. won't go back like uh, i don't know ted katsinski with the unabomber if you know him <laughs> like oh god hey guys Let's let's uh, I don't know throw right. a big bomb in society. Let's go to prehistoric times. I'm really comfortable, you know. <laughs> it's not gonna work, guys. <laughs> sure. And uh, on this part, surely a lot of people have um, started a lot of campaigns like, hey, people should be more aware of what their waste does on the environment. You know, you have to be more holistic. You have to be more like uh, upcycling. You have to reuse and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is not which is not really practical. If I'm doing my breakfast as I as I did half an hour ago, um, I won't really think or I want to think in my I don't know in my vision for life exactly which material impacts how the environment in which ways. Yeah. I I want to have that I don't know infrastructure above, uh, below me and I want to go get further. But on technical terms, when the waste is collected after I have uh, used it, there is some possible technical things to do in order to sort it better, in order to use it better, in order to, I don't know, have some useful uh, things uh, done for it. And 
what we what we've seen so far is that uh, a lot of waste management plants, places where the, the waste goes, um, use a lot of people and use a lot of prehistoric resources um, in order to manage with it. And actually, it is not well adapted to what we have right now. We have computer vision, we have uh, sorting robots, we have uh, a lot of engineering stuff, you know, which is quite complicated actually, but we're trying to tackle with it. Mm. You know, I always think about that, that the it's like people want to use, like, I don't know, wind power, solar power, but they don't, and they're like, oh, we're going to use that because that's so good and it's going to help the environment, but they don't think that those like the, the windmill and the solar panels are built using probably coal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to take that into consideration. Now you get the same problem with electric cars, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah I wanted to say that about TVs. Like, hey, there's such, okay. such a big marketing stuff going on going on with that. Which, isn't, isn't, with TVs? Wait, what, what about TVs? No, 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 no EVs. Sorry. Oh, EVs, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't, isn't Elon Musk the only one who's tackling that with, with the whole building uh what are they called not the, solar city the other one shiga factory something yeah the big one with the, with the battery isn't he the one trying to like okay building electric eco-friendly cars is creating pollution so he's trying to mainstream the process so it becomes less that way as well it becomes more eco-friendly as well the, the, like the process of building the electric vehicles i think i don't know might be or maybe I, he I, just to have charging stations everywhere to make more money. <laughs> well, I'm not I know. Sure how this will work since he has like the biggest footprint of a building for the Gigafactory. How do you mainstream that? Mm. You know, I think it's a thing he does, and I'm not sure. Isn't that how everything with the EVs was connected to? Isn't Tesla the one they're comparing to always? I don't. I'm not really sure, but I guess that was one of the problems. Mm. I know in his TED talk he said that uh, even though you're using coal in order to um, make electricity for your batteries in this process you're more efficient than i don't know internal combustion engines i i don't know the numbers to be to be to be frank when you say efficient do you talk from just a electrical standpoint or from an environmentalist environmental one i i think for how much coal you're using in order to power the evs okay. but again i'm i'm not really technical yeah. about this it might be Right. So when I when it, when we decided that you're going to be the the guest is <laughs> I saw on your Facebook page that you had a lot of kids helping out uh sorting sorting recyclables and stuff. Do you want to talk about that? What was that? I was I was curious what what the hell you were doing. Yeah, with- it was a, it was a bit tight with the with the pandemic right now. We we tried to even though as as I said behavioral change in the long run is not sustainable, we tried to see how it works in Timi. How we how the city responds to these actions and, and campaigns and everything. So we saw that a lot of youngsters are actually more proactive about environment or social change or, you know, they have more enthusiasm. Right. We are turning into adults and, I don't, I don't know, we're more pragmatic somehow. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, not, not really into this, this thing, you know, I think we're sorting things out as we go. And for them, it's like really huge that they can, I don't know, have a neighborhood cleaned up or have a, a huge impact in the local area. And we, actually, we've had elderly people coming up to us and said, hey, you're doing a good job. You know, it's really cool from your part. So like and they were really excited about it. Yeah. Stuff and recycling and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. Wow. Yeah. People notice the difference. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, actually, it was the a good job from from their part because we had 70 to to 80 volunteers, youngsters. We had huge support from from the team, from the local company. They were really really cool, and we found out that they're really open to things. And uh, yeah, we might do it after the pandemic again. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but when you told me that before before this this session. When you told me about the team and cold term that they're both very open and very happy to help and involved and stuff, I was really surprised because I yeah not, exactly <laughs> not had any bad opinion about them. Just I had no opinion. I was like, oh, it's the company that collects your trash and it's the company that does the the waste management and stuff. I had no idea what they did. And the fact that they they want to be involved in recycling and in helping the environment that's actually really cool. I, I think we take them from grant for granted. I think it's just like you know 
TV doesn't work, you know, TV service, uh, internet doesn't work. We we take it for granted to be working, you know, but actually behind it there are people finding finding things that need to be improved in the system and you know keep it up and running. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make, which make which takes me in my head to our first tangent, um, because uh, you said about being grateful for work. Um, I, I personally had that during during the lockdown in in March and April where people were like, oh, fuck, I'm out of a job and stuff. And I was like, I'm a software developer. I don't have that problem. I still know a few software developers have had that problem. Uh, they were fired because it was a small company or something, and they had to let everyone go. But I felt very fortunate. I felt fortunate. I felt humbled. And I was like, God, I'm very, very lucky to have a job and not have these issues. How did, how did you find that uh, during the lockdown? What was your experience with it? Yeah, I, I think it's similar because uh, being in a field in, in fast-moving consumer goods industry and uh, especially in the lockdown or prior to the lockdown, people have ran to the store, run to the stores and took provisions. You know, it was a, a good time to be manufacturing stuff. Was there and, a way uh, to do some more things? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Sorry, but, the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird, weird provisions, like weird, weird uh, things oh. put aside from Romanians. Like you know, what? Like uh, flour or, okay. you know. As if everyone makes their own bread at home. Well, yes. They eventually did. Did they? I think every, their mother started making banana breads at some point in the pandemic. <laughs> for real? Yeah, sure. I didn't know that. Yeah, everybody started, uh, p- picked up baking for some reason. Oh my God. New skills. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and, and my, this should have been like a career shift for them, you know? Maybe. I mean, who knows? <laughs> a lot of receptionists found their hobby in baking goods or something. Yeah, but how many bakers can you still have? <laughs> you know? True. <laughs> did, you, did you pick up any new skills during the, the lockdown? Well, no, but uh, I think it was a, it was a cool time, at least for me. I don't know, from you guys. Uh, from my perspective, it was a more productive environment, like a bit quieter, a bit like settle down, you know, focus on your things and do it right. Oh, settle down because you weren't allowed to go out and have fun. So you had to stay indoors. So yeah, suddenly you discovered you had like five extra hours of your life with the, or that you needed to fill with stuff. Yeah, well, you know, this, this is like, again, like a tangent from this is like, People are a bit afraid of sitting in house listening to their thoughts. Or you like, have no idea how many people I've talked to, and they were afraid they were gonna hit rock bottom of depression because of it. Oh uh, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. What was it? What was it that you said, Colleen? The what was it that you said? The thing with the you were scared that you or someone was scared that when the pandemic uh, is oh, with talking skills. Yeah, with the talking, like you're gonna go back to caveman talking skills. You're not gonna know like how to socialize with people. Oh yeah, they, yeah, I had some friends who used to make fun of me because I lived alone during the pandemic, and they would mess up with me saying, "When you get out, you will forget how to speak to people." But Whoa. I was fine with everything. But these, the guys who were making fun of me, they got really anxious being in crowds of people. Yeah, I'm not sure if that happened to you, but it happened to me when I got out in the city center or something. I'm. 90% certain it was more packed than it usually it is, but yeah. there was so much, so many people around me like, why are you here? You should be home. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had that uh, a while after the, the lockdown lifted. And I, I would go to like supermarkets to buy provisions and stuff. But then at some point, I think I just went out for a walk and there were so many people and then it was fine. But then I ended up in a crowded place in downtown and I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't feel great. I don't feel good being around all these people. This very makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, and in, especially with this pandemic going around, it's weird to think about the people around us, even though their intentions are really good and they're open to us, maybe they're family, friends, or I don't know, acquaintances, that there's something inside them that wants to harm us, you know? Like the virus, which has in, in, in its RNA just this, I don't know, reproduce, uh, do damage to, to the, uh, to the cells and everything part mentality. And people like, are not aware of it. 
even even myself maybe at some point I might be infected I, I don't control it you know oh you're talking, just, about, so you're talking about the virus passing yeah cells and people don't think about that so they just kind of go out or whatever yeah or is it just like the deep biological fear that somebody out there like a stranger somebody can has the potential of hurting you in one way or another exactly even though it's unconscious you know that's an interesting thought. I didn't think of that. I mean, there was at some point, I'm not sure which, I think it was a philosopher or something that said, even the fact that we as humans can get together and get this whole thing called society working without killing each other is like really amazing. Yeah. If you look at it from a biological standpoint. Yeah. What do you sure. think that factor is? Like what's, cause I mean, come on, you go what, 500 years in the past. And people are killing themselves left and right for like stupid reasons, right? So what's the thing stopping us now in our society? This is you just go outside and what's stopping you taking out an axe and just killing someone? The law. I <laughs> see. As I was phrasing that sentence, that's what came to mind. It's like the fear of I'm going to go to jail. But I don't know. What's what's maybe I phrased it wrong with the killing. Not someone necessarily. Like what's the thing that keeps us together as a society? It's like okay, let's yeah, maybe let's work together. We are also less exposed to death than they were back then. Yeah. They used to kill cattle, they used to kill uh, animals with the, their own hands just to have something to eat. They would see people dying left and right, family members, I don't know, elderly people, young children. It was more natural to see this. And right now, that is like very a big taboo subject. Because yeah, it's, it's quality of life, right? And not just mm-hmm. quality of life, but it's you're not, you don't have it next to you. Yeah. You go to a funeral every now and then, but then that's that. And you go back back to your plasticky, everything is fine life. Mm. Where you don't really think about it. That would yeah, be the, 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 that's true. That's true. But maybe like do do you think we have suppressed already the um, unconscious thoughts about you know so going out and fighting people or, or doing the things our ancestors did because we we still have instincts in this way like. No. Yeah, the lizard brain, the the primate monkey brain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely still get angry on people and you want to smack somebody in the face, but now you know you shouldn't, and there's a punching bag somewhere in the gym we can go to <laughs> blow up some up. steam. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the thing is still there, like the desire, not necessarily the desire, but the attraction for aggression is definitely still there. True. I don't know. I think the the the, the glue of society thing is because you mentioned the death thing and. I'm thinking when you mentioned that, I was thinking, okay, quality of life improved. So you, you suddenly don't, I mean, and obviously not everywhere on the globe, unfortunately, but in like for us living in a, in a city, um, quality of life improved by default. So suddenly you're not in a position where you need to have like 13 children to sort of pass on the gene or whatever. Um, to procreate and all that. So you don't need to have that because back then you, you needed to have that to have humans. And out of the 13, maybe seven died. There was there uh, was this joke for each girl, young girl out there by the age of 17 or something. She already had six kids, yeah. three of them probably dead. Yeah, exactly. Middle ages. So for fun times. <laughs> fun times, yeah. <laughs> Mental fuck up. How do you, how do you, God, people back then were tougher just mentally because of that. You know, but also in in medieval or pre-medieval times, I think it's weird to have been living because it's like nothing changed, you know. Right now we're used to the new iPhone. We're used to new things going on and like, I don't know, new capabilities. The the 50s or something, right? And in like 100 years, well, not the 50s, the, what was it, like the late 1800s from steam engine, right? Then that's a revolution, yeah. Yeah, that's a revolution. And then it, yeah. it's just, it took like a hundred years to get from steam powered engines to like microchips and shit. Whereas yeah, exactly. Make a good point because now for us living in this time, it's easy to look in a history book and maybe in five pages go for like 2000 years of evolution. But for them living then it was, it probably, like you said, it was seemingly unchanging. Like everything was constant. You didn't really have any innovations happening every year. Maybe you'd have one like every a hundred years or 50 years or something. Yeah, I imagine boring the, life. The, the the whole way the the, the monarchies were built, maybe uh, it was hard to get to that. Most people were illiterate anyway, so you wouldn't even know yeah. about yeah. these things. True. Uh, I for for one, I'm really glad to be living here, like in this time and this place. You yeah. know, it, it's I it's it's too. 
I have a problem with this. I think everybody, when they're born, I mean, when they're living, they're saying the same thing. Like, it's cool to live right now, but what would, if it would have been 200 years yeah. in front of us? Yeah, that's a good perspective, actually. <laughs> thing a couple years ago, it was like a, a medical thing where uh, medics, it was, I think it was on Medium or something, medics in our day, looking back to 100 years ago, are like, oh, or like a couple hundred years ago, are like, oh, how, why the hell would you... Uh, now wash know. your hands before a surgery yeah yeah but it was more like it was more surgery related so it was like why how the hell did we ever think it was a great idea to to plow a nail for someone's head to release the demons or beaches on someone or something how the hell did we do that and now we're thinking like oh we're so much more evolved that we can laser cut someone open but in 200 years people are going to look back and they're going to think like oh my god the 2020 people were such savages. You had to cut someone open to cure them. Like, ew, what the hell? Now we just use lasers or whatever. Or nanobots. Yeah, exactly. Like, ew, you don't have to cut someone open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I think for me, one example of what you said is like reading about uh, uh, Louis Pasteur and his improvement that you know there are germs around us mm-hmm. and rats or creatures don't really appear or are being born out of. Uh, misery or from I don't know places where no one is looking it's like spontaneous life uh, uh, appearing somewhere and people believed in that you know like if you leave some some waste around surely rats will be born there out of nowhere they just, they just form out of the garbage exactly <laughs> that's cool I exactly. knew that it was like you know people believe that you know I mean yeah, I have a hard time accepting the fact that back then because I mentioned illiteracy, right? Back then, the only way you had access to any kind of education was through churches. And yeah. churches were like the main source of like intelligent people at all in any way or shape or form. Intelligence was that because everything else was just non-culture. Like people didn't, couldn't read. Or obviously, like you, we're not talking to royal families and people with money. But we're talking like everyday's man. You had the commoner, to, yeah. Yeah. You, you oh, the only reason you knew how to read was because you were maybe a priest or a monk, and you had to do that for biblical reasons or whatever. God, oh, we I, came such a long way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I think you had tremendous power with reading skills. Yeah. You could you could interpret things just like uh, Columbus did. With you know, this solar eclipse is going to happen right now, and if you guys don't, uh, I don't know submit uh, to my leadership and everything you're you're just gonna be screwed when people looked up in the sky and oh my god it's a solar eclipse you know what could you do it's god (laughs) yeah yeah oh my god 15 virgins our crops aren't gonna grow next year or whatever it was it was also in mr nobody i really liked the movie and and have (laughs) reviewed reviewed recently it at the the beginning it was like a Pigeon superstition or something like that. If right. you have, if you have every 30 seconds uh, one treat for a pigeon in a cage, um, he takes it or she takes it, and uh, and then if it hap- if it's happening to be flapping the wings, uh, it thinks it's a correlation between between flapping the wings and the treat, and it's gonna start flapping the wings continuously to be getting the treat the treats. You know, and this is like a good analogy of our lives. Is there a correlation between what we do and what we get or not really, you know? Elaborate. What do you mean? What, what, what do you think the correlation is? For a lot of things, I don't know. Not, not actually superstitions, but maybe actions for uh, is, our jobs or something. Is this that one thing we have a problem in a generation with uh, studies and statistics and correlation versus causation? Yeah, exactly. Just because two things happen at once doesn't mean they're necessarily dependent on one and each other. Yeah. Yeah, true. Also with the virgins, with sacrifices in the past and something like that, you know, this is going to cause something. But actually, there's no link between them. Yeah, but there's an actual somewhat explanation for this. I think I read this in Sapiens. Mm-hmm. By the time we went from hunter-gatherers to settlements, it got really difficult for human beings to actually exist because you cannot really do anything to procure your food. You had to grow it. And if there was no rain or, or the weather wasn't good, you didn't have any crops. And you had this huge anxiety of what are you going to eat tomorrow? And you had to delegate it to something. So that's, yeah. when, that's when religious practices and things of such nature like sacrifice and things happen because it gives gave humans something to do. And they feel empowered that they have 
actions they can take in order to provide food. It, it actually makes sense, yeah. I think this is our most interesting podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we discussed religion before. This is more. It was just ele- elevated. It. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a cool topic actually. Like, it is. I I in the past wanted to become a priest. I I oh, saw this. That makes two of you. That makes two of us, dude. For real. <laughs> I, I mentioned this before on a podcast. The first thing I ever wanted to be was a priest because I grew up in a village. And my yes. exposure to Yes, exactly. Holy shit. Okay, <laughs> go on. I want to learn more about this now. <laughs> should, should I go for No, we're going to we're gonna, uh, convince you to become a priest from now on, you know, Karim. So, <laughs> so, so to be in the club. Uh, actually, for me, it was the a period in which I was acquainted with going to church and, and uh, I was really comfortable doing this thing like regularly and being in this group like morally and uh, ethically really positive, you know, like really um, thankful to myself for doing that. And um, later on, I, I started uh, singing in the in the church core, you know. Yeah. Same person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and for for some while it was really good, really cool, and really I don't know. I was thankful for myself to, for doing that. And um, then I I saw some things like which were really ethical, not in a bad way, but I I thought it, they were like not in a good direction. Mm-hmm. But like uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. really fast. With with the taxes to the church actually with the. With the poor people being like, hey, you have to still pay your tax to the church and stuff like that because oh, contribution you. and stuff. It's not really like a church. morally good thing to do. And I, I, I thought for myself, hey, should I still be in the system or not really? And then I started reading a lot of things besides like the oppression in the past with the church and like, you know, I, I think it's a cool system to be in the world. Like people need it. I think it's a know, safety net for some people, yeah. Mm-hmm. But generally, as I saw recently with uh, with the Pope uh, being positive about I don't know gay marriage or something like that. Really good news, man. Yeah. That was really great news. It was about time, actually. Yeah. Long overdue. Yeah. But you know, they're 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 just trying to be uh, adapted to this world, you know. You know, I'm so curious if they're going to have another schism because of that, because of the, or whatever, because the Pope is like, no, we need to be more inclusive and accepting and loving because that's, I mean, come on, at the core, that's what Christianity is, love and forgive, right? And that's cool that he does that, but um, there are so many, like you have career politicians, I'm sure you have career priests who hate the Pope for saying that and going to be like, not on my, not in my village and stuff. And I'm curious if there's going to be like a huge divide or like, good question. The religious war or something. That'd be. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying that'd be freaking cool. <laughs> the Templars fighting each other and shit. Like, no, don't give rights to the gay people. No, give rights to the gay people. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That would be. But but in all seriousness, like that's. I'm really curious when that's gonna happen because I'm sure it will happen. Not at that level, but I'm sure there are priests who don't agree with his decision. There have to be. Yeah, but what's going to happen? Usually this will probably be villages, priests of some sort of smaller villages, and they mm-hmm. can just enforce the same thing. And eventually, I guess, when the new priest will come, eventually, maybe not the next one, but the second one or the third one, they'll start being more open-minded about this, these things. Yeah, that's a generational thing, maybe. Or maybe is there a possibility to be split again into new, I don't know, religion, sex, or, you know, I have you name no- it. This would work actually. Like, if you have a village and a church, like a Catholic church, and then there's a schism happening, how, how should that Pope over there, he puts his flag, and then from now on, this church will belong to this faction? Because they think, well, how does that work? Just <laughs> like that. Because That's a good question. Priests get moved. They don't, like, they don't, they get moved from villages, from, from churches. They get allocated to a village. Exactly. It's not the priest who grew up in the village. No, 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 no. Okay. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I, I personally know a, a few priests, and they, they, like, get moved around or whatever. Well, I mean, most of them get assigned a, a, a place of worship, and then they usually stay there their whole life unless something happens. So, like, 
This is interesting. I know a priest who, uh, a really good priest, like a really awesome dude, very nice guy, very like good values and stuff. Uh, he's in village and he was married. So Orthodox priest, you can marry for people who don't know uh, and have kids and family and all that. Uh, and, uh, he was married, but then his wife cheated or something and she divorced him. Uh, oh. and, and, uh, the poor guy had no fault. Uh, well, I, mean, I know his side of the story. Um, but the villagers were so upset that, that he, it's very, very kind of backwards thinking, but they were upset with him because she divorced him and they didn't want a divorcee priest. So they shunned him out of the village. Yeah. Well, that's a big no, no. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it wasn't the guy's fault. Like everyone knew that the, the, whatever the priests cheat on him were, I, it doesn't really matter, but the people were upset about the situation and didn't want him. They wanted a new priest. So they had to shun him out. Uh, obviously, what would the people in the next village say? I know. I think he remarried in the meantime and now, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe he doesn't tell the new village or something. But that's, I don't know. It's, yeah. I don't have a huge problem with religion itself. It's just the people who practice it and not all of them, just some ways of practice, some ways of interpreting it and some ways of practicing it that are good and some that are bad, I guess, to some extent. Yeah. I was I think I had a brutal thumb of this. If it's if it becomes more about the religion and the practices than more of the people, mm. then something's going wrong. Yeah. If it's more a scholastic thing and you're more focused on what the book says than what like helping people or fixing situations or you know, making people feel great and good and whatever loved and valued and like their belief matters or something. I don't know. Yeah. These are the rules, we stick by the rules. We don't care about you as a human being, then that's just a bad, that's a bad recipe for anything. That's just yeah. like, the, sorry, go there's ahead. Also, there's also a perspective of uh, generally all religions being somehow nihilistic because in their terms, it's just like, hey, let's just wait for the end of the world. You know, the end of the world is our, I don't know, favorite spot, favorite mission, you know. A small step to the afterlife. Yes. Whatever you do now doesn't matter. That I never correlated those two. Well, and at least in Christianity, it does matter how you live your life. True. Right? Because that one of is how you're going to live in the afterlife. Then you have reincarnation. Buddhism is the one, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. Yeah. Where, where, like, don't do anything. Just stop existing as soon as possible. Isn't that the one? Stop existing. Isn't that the one that just uh, detached from all yeah, exactly. worldly well, well, attachments? I mean, isn't that the same thing? In, in pragmatic terms, it's the same thing, isn't it? You just kind of go away... You don't care about anything else. You just have to become one with the present and just sort of don't eat, don't drink, just exist until you die. And then what's after is what matters. Yeah, it's, I think it's similar. You, just, you, you don't take into consideration your feelings, your, I don't know, what your body says, what your environment says. You just like be one with the nothingness. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I mean, obviously there are some good things you can, you can take out of those, out of that. Uh, like meditation to some extent and all those things. I think those are good for you, but I don't think living that kind of life is, is, I mean, it's not even living. It, you're not living anymore. You're just waiting to being there. Yeah. You're just being there and you're waiting. Well, to it's die like when everything is, that. there's a good balance between, uh, extremes and yeah, you know, yeah. only a sit deals in extremes. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, I was also like lately when I looked through things, was a bit uh, amazed of how there's still a, I don't know, in, in intersection between technology and religion, because people might say, you know, we just have this new era, we don't think about uh, what's going to happen after we die, it's just like, let's put it aside, we have this whole new technological things going on. But actually there are some people, and there were in the past, scientific people who had this like view that they want to prove the religion uh, values and everything it's it's for real and they did scientific discoveries in order to prove that especially with the big bang you know yeah and uh, it was actually a priest who proved that there was a start there was a nothing a, a point of zero you know really? and uh, from that it expanded to what we are now and still going you know and this was like the moment of God, this moment that God created, and this was like the day zero, you know. Mm -hmm. It was actually a priest that proved this. Like, yeah. 
proved, calculated and went backwards. It was still proven with the uh, cosmic ra- noise radiation. Uh, all things going from there were true, you know, at least provable, and we still use them in our technology right now. But there still are religious pe- people who have this, I don't know, positive view maybe, and still want to prove that God exists or some religions are true, okay. which is interesting. <laughs> do, do we still have people like that? Yeah, sure. They're searching. Yeah, because this 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 just goes back to the same principle of back in the day, like reading and all that was only able for the church, right? So what you describe makes sense in the in the sense that those people who who made these discoveries or invented these things or whatever were just pioneers regardless of the age they lived in. So then that means that religion just became a medium of their time to to sort of explore or uh, exercise their pioneeriness, if you will. Well, yeah, well, yeah. religion is the start of also philosophy and sciences. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. One point, and then it just, yeah, now you have people, and not priests, but they're uh, scientists. Yeah, but the reason I'm saying that is because, I, like, in in a theoretical sense, what you said is beautiful and true, and I agree. Uh, but in practice, I've never met a priest who thinks like that in some like, okay, most priests that I've met, uh, which is like your main exposure to that religion is a priest mm-hmm. or yeah. the Bible, whatever. But then most priests I've met are of the mind of, they're, they're hypocrites because they have cars, they use phones, they do all that, but then they preach a sort of a, the God is the answer to everything. Our religion is the answer to everything. We don't need to discover anything because everything you ever will need to know is in this book. So then what's the purpose of innovation? What's the purpose of evolution? What's the purpose of technology at all? If like, that's, that's where to me, I think that's in high school is when it sort of dislocated in my brain, the two concepts of like, okay, if religion talks about, we already know everything what the hell is the point of ever having invented these and how does that connect to religion back? Comfort. <laughs> it's just comfort. Yeah, it's easier when you're dumb. That's a broad term to say dumb, but it's easier to say when you're dumb. It's like, oh, someone smarter slash God already thought of that. I don't need to think about it. Yeah, but comfort. I saw those two, like uh, technological improvement in religion as being mutually exclusive. No, I don't think they are mutually Because it's not the fact that they have the answer for everything, like actually everything, but the deep philosophical questions mm-hmm. are answered over there. That's And it's true. just one interpretation of a possible answer, but yeah. if you want to adhere to that religion, then you listen to this answer. This is the rules of the book, I guess. Mm-hmm. The big problem you have with this one, and it goes back also to the priest who discovered the Big Bang, which was a good move for a uh, church, actually, because oh. it's really hard to disprove this. Like this is worth what? Big Bang, for instance. Yeah. It's really hard to disprove it. And it's the same thing, almost the same thing with the existence of God. Let's not go into specifics of religions, but the existence of God is really hard to disprove. Like, there, to prove that there isn't anyone or anything. Just like black swans, yeah. What do you mean? It, it was the concept before people went into Australia uh, that all the swans are white. Oh, right, okay. And people believe that, you know, this is everything that exists, just white swans. Mm. But when people went there, like, hey, you know, there's something more. We have also black swans. Right. But it's something that nobody ever thought about it or even thought it was possible. So that's exactly. when you have black swan event, it's something that takes everybody by surprise in the biggest sense of the word. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like I've met a lot of people who uh, tried, for some reason, I, I get picked on by these people and they try to convince me of like, what, well, you scientific folk, not that I'm a scientist or anything, it's just I'm not religious and they You're are. a technical person. Yeah, yeah they're like, all the yeah. same. No, no, it's them. <laughs> exactly. The important distinction is here is that I'm an atheist and they are not. They are religious. So they'll come up to me and and say stuff like, how could you believe in a Big Bang? Like, how could you believe that there is nothing and then something, that, and nothing exploded and then there's something? There has to be a creator. There has to be a God who made that. So, like, I don't understand that argument. Is is that what you were trying to say, Kaleem? Yeah, because it's really hard to disprove. Like, even if you try to say there was or wasn't a Big Bang, some 
eventually, at some point, everything came out of something. Yeah. And there's no way of proving where did it come from or if it didn't come from. It was just over here. Yeah. So it's just, it's an argument that always runs in circles. Yeah. I mean, the only proof we do have is that the universe is expanding, right? So at some point back in history, in whatever, billions of years ago, it must have all came from one singular point, right? If it's, they're all, the universe is expanding uniformly and outwards from the same sort of central point, right? Yeah, we have that. So we have the science to somewhat prove that this is how we go and going to exactly. relate to the world. And this is the best model that we have. But we don't know anything before T0 for the first <laughs> moment, zero. right? We know what yeah. happened in T1. We know perfectly what happened, but we know what happened prior to that. Mm. Yeah, we know if uh, there's a simulation going on, creating our Big Bang or, you know, there was a, like a more, huge yeah. expansion, huge contraction or something like that. Yeah, it was huge, huge field of speculation here i always love that one theory that the universe is expanding and then it will reach to one point it will start contracting and then get so small so small so ever so small until everything is packed in one thing and then big bang again and it's just why? Cycles, cycles why, big bang. Why, why would you prefer this one i like, I like it because it means there's a continuity to it as opposed to just eventually everything will die in the, the cold death exactly of the universe hmm. yeah so it's it's a huge perspective, like we, we just see 60, 70 years of progress in this direction or that direction, just like in terms of millions of billions of years, not comparing. <laughs> you know what I think is like the most beautiful thing is the fact that it's like, I think it's that video on YouTube, the Neil deGrasse Tyson video with the most astounding fact. It's, okay. it's that it's the fact that we are all made of the everything around us is made of the same com, like chemical elements and there most of us go for the same biological processes and they're all correlated with the rest of the universe so like I don't know whatever he said in the video like the iron is from the stars and the 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 what's it the carbon is from the whatever and the fact that like this is why I don't like religion because it's such an amazing and beautiful thing to know that you are this being made out of what everything else is made out of. But us humans, as far as we know so far, are the only thing that can think about themselves. Like we can. We are the only ones that we know that we are the thing. Yeah, we we are this thing made up of everything else that can think about itself. That's such a beautiful thought. Like, why would you need God in that? That's so amazing. Like. It makes me feel like a kid, like I'm discovering something new. It's like, oh, it's so cool. Like I don't, I don't know anything about anything, and that's interesting because it gives me the, the all the opportunity, all the tools to go out and explore and be like, I don't know this. I'm gonna go find out. Yeah. Not like this book told me that it's that way. It's like, no, fuck. I'm gonna go out and find out for myself or whatever. Okay, cool. but how we approach this in the evil man? Uh, no, I agree. I agree. I, I definitely agree. It was needed at some point. It's that, who who said that? Was it was it Richard Dawkins who said that? Or, or Christopher Hitchens, who That's said, your field of expertise. Yeah, yeah. You have to remember now. <laughs> he said something really <laughs> like, religion was our first tool to understand the universe. And like most first tools, it was our worst. <laughs> Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, because yeah. now we have better tools to learn about that's the universe. That's cool. So like it was our first thing. It was great at the time. It brought us to this point. So it, it's important historically. But it was our first. It's, it's the worst. We have better ways now of, of understanding the universe. That's really cool. And on on the on the same uh, idea that you that you went through with the elements which are the same like you know the stuff in the stars and we are the same I th- I think 112 or something like that elements in in the whole periodic table there's nothing else in the universe as far as we know yeah uh, it opens up a lot of possibilities and it opens up I think a lot of things to be understood from how we're being built like how what's our nature actually you yeah. know and for us to understand that we're so like limited in the way we have evolved because yeah. even like I, I was really amazed when i read a bit about our eyes and about the solar radiation and everything so complex and actually yeah we we have this like small part from the electromagnetic field which goes from um, radio waves to x-rays in terms of how much uh, energy is in it and we just see we like perceive electromagnetic radiation from, from the sun 
in just like a small interval, 400 to 700 nanometers frequency. Yeah. And this is because actually this is like the most, like the, the highest quantity of solar radiation that reaches the Earth is in this spectrum. And we have adapted our, our eyes to this, you know. Now the Goldilocks zone is where is like the place in the oh yeah okay yeah it's the place that, around the sun that's that can sustain life yeah yeah but have not close enough not so far exactly yeah yeah and for us being humans to try to understand ourselves this is like really huge to know what we're being built of what I, I don't know our DNA is like because we have also interpreted our genome yeah. um, all kinds of things like in this direction like hey this let's put religion aside with all this biblical text and everything and let's explore, you know, this is like hugely interesting. The last thing I want to say about this is, do you, I know Colleen loves him, but do you, Christy, know Jordan Peterson? Sure. 12 right. Rules for Life was like best. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's because of him that I learned to appreciate religion again, because mm -hmm. I, I don't want it in my life. Uh, definitely not in a sort of universal perspective of who we are and where we're going and whatever, uh, in, in a sort of technology science -y sort of way. But he is the one person who made me go back and look at the Bible and, and religion and all the stories and reinterpret them not in a this is the answer to life way, but in a this is really good moral, some of the stories, really good ethical and moral problems. So I think in my personal opinion, the Bible and religion is really, really good and actually quite important to shape you um, morally, ethically, if you take the whole God bits out of it. So if you take the whole God bits out of it, it's sort of the, the, the religious fanaticism out of it. I think they're really good stories because they, they, they're all symbols. They're all symbolistic, sort of. And it, it tells you it's... You can, you can read a billion books about self-help and whatever, but then you have the Bible, which has been around for thousands of years, and it's the same stories. It's the same moral principles and moral dilemmas for like 2,000 years, and we've lived for 2,000 years, so clearly they have to be good for something, right? Yes, if, they, yes. if they took us this far, they have to be good for something. So I think they're very important in a sort of social way because mm – -hmm. They tell you, I don't know, how, like Cain and Abel, and this is sort of the archetype of this person, this is the archetype of the other person, and it helps you really live with other people better, I think. That's how I would phrase it. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how Colleen sees yeah. his, his book and his perspectives on this. Uh, the 12 Rules of Life book? Or the yeah. Bible book? Just, I've never read the 12 Rules of Life. Uh, most of my, I mean... The one key thing that turned me to Peterson's lectures and everything, I by chance got a got to see him live in Budapest last year. For real? Yeah, Whoa. for yeah, and was <laughs> it was a really huge thing. Like it was during Brain Barn. Brain Barn is this smaller TED Talk ish event that happens in Budapest, and Jordan Peterson was a top headliner, and he okay. had his own separate stage and everything near, next to the was that the church in the middle of Budapest. The cathedral. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably remember. And he got up there and he spent, I think, 40 minutes of speech and his eyes were, were in tears. And initially I thought it was, is come on, he spoke to stadiums full of people. He cannot be that moved just to talk into, I don't know, 500 people at most in the Matthias Church. I don't know. I'm showing you three of them. Okay. Is it one of these? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> so he was we'll talking to, I don't know, we were at most four, 500 people, but he was like really touched while speaking about going through hardship and taking ownership of all your problems and everything he stands for. And after everything is done, I real I found out that he just, uh, I don't think he just realized, but his wife had cancer and he it was a really bad moment. And he was about to just quit everything and drop the whole speech he had in Budapest. Yeah. And just seeing the guy talking every, by everything he stands for, going through the same argument, the same problems he was discussing, it was something else. True. And I, I think right now he's he's dealing with depression and he's quite yeah. away from the public because of the family he problems. Came back. He came back. He came, he came back. back. Real. He awesome. spent 
all of this year, I think exactly almost around a year now, full calendar year, uh, in hospitals around Russia and Serbia and Canada and America, and whatever, because he had he had a benzo something addiction. Benzodiazepine. Ben that. Um, uh, he had an addiction because so he had depression or something. He was prescribed the medicine that had that component, uh, and that, he took it. The the doctor uh prescribed it for too long, and if you take it for too long, you get addicted, and the withdrawal is really really bad. And really, really shitty. So he was suffering for that for a whole year from withdrawal, like physical withdrawal and psychological. He couldn't think. He could like he just. He was. It was that bad. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong here. He went to Russian hospitals. Yeah. yeah. To get help because they were doing some more not that. Um. How would you call it? Like Soft techniques of dealing with, <laughs> with addiction. He needed that. Oh my god. Yeah. He needed. He also yeah. had problems with his daughter, as far as I know. Oh uh, uh, yeah, she's very famous for that. She has an auto yeah, yeah, yeah. and she can only eat meat. Yes, 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 yes. She eats anything else but like red meat or something. Uh, she gets horrible uh, joint pains and wrist pains. And yeah. Shatter and hip replacement. I think she has like a couple of hip replacements from when she was like a preteen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird life to to live, you know. Being so know, wise, I think this is the most proper description. He's a wise person because he knows like morally what's best for people and what's like best thing to do in a situation and how to interpret your things around, like the things around you. Also, I th- I think this is in the first book, like maps of meaning, because it's really really complex, as you said, Mike. Uh, symbolic things interpreted for how to deal with your life you know exactly. having this having this context in his life i think it's like huge 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 you know mm-hmm. burden i can't remember uh where i saw or read this if it was like a cartoon or a movie or somewhere it was i'm pretty sure it was something stupid but it said something that uh life uh what was it life is suffering or something like that and that's so interesting that we together we think jordan peterson is wise because he went through a lot of shitty things and hardships and that's kind of what toughened him up uh and it, it correlates to something i read this thing that i'm saying is like life is to, to existence remember, is pain yeah it was something like teaching an ai or something i can't remember it was teaching an ai and then you had to make him suffer you had to make cool. him pain and suffering because that was the most human way of becoming human like learning how to deal with something really difficult and hard is what makes us human yeah i'm I'm really curious about two tangents here one of them like if there is a way for ai to be part of our evolution (laughs) one because it doesn't have the suffering and these limitations and two uh why and how this suffering is still in our dna and part of ourselves because there is it is it is uh, useful for still evolving humans, you know, still pushing humans to do better things. If they're like a complacent person, surely there's no positive thing in that. In order to I don't know explore and do things better for his or her good, you know. Mm-hmm. So would you want to go with the first or the second one <laughs> how about we are one hour in um how about on that note we'll remember this for the next time you're on okay and we can maybe start with that what do you guys think sounds like a good idea let's split us in two parts yeah exactly i'll be splitting two parts we can have him over as a recurring guest if he if he so chooses what do you think? <laughs> I, I would really love to continue like yeah, would you like to, to be our guest again? Sure. Anytime. Sweet. Right. Um, okay. I'll, I'll make a mental and a physical note of these two tangents, and I will make sure to bring that up next time we talk. I'll write it down in the note with the topics to discuss in the Sweet. podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all we have time for for this episode. Um, you get... Oh, thank you for being here. It was very nice to have you. I love the tangents we went on. They were very awesome. And for the first time, there's someone 
who doesn't speak as much, who speaks more than me, or at least I wasn't the only one speaking. <laughs> Competing. As, as people have complained in the past about me. Um, yeah, it was great to have you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Really, really have appreciate it. Do, do you have any closing words? Uh, not really. I'm really curious for the future. <laughs> for what we can do about it. All right. We'll, we'll keep you posted. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing do. I wanted to do, the thing I, I saw somewhere, is you get 20 seconds to uh, plug anything you like. Like, where can people find you? What are you working on? Where, where, I don't know, if you want, you can recommend something like a book or something that you wrote or something that you want people to read or a movie or anything you want to plug. Uh, let me just set up a timer. And <laughs> um, 20 yeah. seconds. To plug that, so to make people go. happy. You can start now. Well, I, I appreciate the context for for plugging something here, but actually, I'm I'm not really that uh, proactive about uh, writing things or doing things. I really like cool conversation, just like this one. And I, over a long time, have started to appreciate people who are open to this kind of new thoughts and stuff. I don't know. I right. I just have cool friends, acquaintances, and people who are like that, and I, I'm really thankful for them. You actually managed to fit it in almost 20 seconds. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for being here. Uh, thank we you really also. And see you next time. See yes. you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Christy, say, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>